Good evening, everyone. Wesley Shoemaker joined by Aaron Parker, Zach Anderson yet again. Survive in advance. That is the theme of March, and West Virginia did just that in their first round game against Kansas State. The Mountaineers won 73-67 despite their leading scorer, Taz Sherman, only scoring nine points, the second lowest total of his this season. Mountaineers came out strong early. Kansas State got back into things, but then late Mountaineers went on an 8-0 run to kind of solidify things, and they will now face Kansas tomorrow afternoon. Fellas, how we doing? Thoughts on the game and uh, just what we think of Mountaineers finally getting back-to-back wins for the first time since January. It's crazy. I really don't know what to do. I don't know what to think. Um, Mountaineers played a complete game. They, they put together a good game, got some momentum early when Kansas State decided not to guard Sean McNeil. Um, two wide open looks and and from there they, they started going you know obviously not perfect they gave up a lot of threes early a lot of threes throughout the whole entire game to k-state but mountaineers put together a complete game and, and it showed tonight right off the gate the two things i really noticed was how aggressive they were playing one uh first of all and second of all um they were being efficient on offense usually that's something we don't see from this west virginia team this year um, and they were actually being efficient and careful with the ball, and that helped them down the stretch to be able to get better shots up. And then they played aggressively on defense to slow down uh, their leading scorers in Pack and uh, Smith. Was yeah, I think, I think that aggression on defense we kind of saw early. I know Hugs has talked about how he's kind of toyed with some different things in practice. Well, you kind of saw them go a little three-quarter court press flying around they seem they seem to be getting places that you just didn't see them getting to earlier in the season and I think that's also a sign of they've been off since Saturday and they kind of now have the motivation of it's now it's do or die time so I think that's part of it but it was a kind of a it was a it was refreshing to see especially in the beginning of the game it was also refreshing to see Sean Sean had a really big day uh, he finished with 21 points seven and ten from the field three of five from three Where's this been the last month, guys? Like, I don't if it's, I'm not sure if it's just me who just noticed, but Sean kind of came to life. Um, Mountaineers whole offense came to life. They shot 53% from the field, and they just, they just, whenever Kansas State seems like, seemed like they were about to get back in the game or take the lead, Mountaineers would get a stop, and then they'd find a bucket when they needed it. I, I like that Malik Curry seemed to get downhill a lot tonight. Um, and obviously Taz didn't have his best night, and you still won a ball game in the Big 12 tournament, and I don't think you can ask for much more. You know, yeah. speaking on, yeah. oh, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, speaking on Sean specifically in his post-game conference, he called his recent struggles, he called it whatever that is. And I thought that was kind of an interesting point of view of his to take because um, really it was just a uncharacteristic struggle of his. And I think he broke through tonight to finally get back on the board. And with Malik, as you mentioned, he really like led the offense. Like it seemed like he was a really good game manager down the stretch. I agree with that. Malik did what he did, what he does best, and that's get downhill. Um, I think he turned it over once or twice, but he got downhill. He got to the line when he needed to. He made some big buckets, and he hit a he hit a crucial three down the stretch there. So he played a great game. But yeah, Sean came to play. Um, he's just a very up and down player. I hate to say it this year, but it's been true. And um, I guess he's heating up at the right time, but maybe it's too little, too late. It's kind of frustrating, but you can't you can't look at it like a shoulda, coulda, woulda. I mean, WVU, it's March. They're 16 and 16, and they got to win every game in front of them. So it's a good time for Sean to get hot. Yes. First off, going back to Curry, I think Malik had a really big day. Six of 12 from the field, one of one from three. And one thing I've noticed in the last like six, seven games, really, of the regular season, you didn't see Malik 
Curry miss that many threes. And earlier in the year, he'd kind of kind of float them in there, didn't look too confident making them, and he wasn't making any. And now it seems like for the past four or five game stretch, he's made at least one three-pointer every game, which just adds another dimension because as we've seen, he's so quick when he can get downhill to that left-hand side and that little scoop layup. He's not the biggest guy. He's going to get bodied around. He's going to get boxed sometimes. But just having that obviously he has that little step back at the mid-range. If he can add a three-pointer to that, it's just adds another dimension to his game. Going back to Sean, though, I think we've been waiting to see this Sean McNeil for a while. I think there's been games where he's had open shot after open shot after open shot, and he's just missed, missed, missed. And I also think kind of getting away from home does help that too, because I've, I feel like if you're a player and you hear the groans of your home crowd after you miss an open three and you miss it again, it's just not most, it's not conducive to your confidence and I think him kind of getting away getting that first early shot from that corner making that coming back again getting another open look from the corner those are two quick buckets that kind of if you're a shooter gets you going so yeah that's what I'm saying that that early that early spark from Sean that the defense there is just is terrible and to to let a guy like that one of the best shooters just pure shooters in the big 12 get open like that that's not good because he's a confidence guy he's a shooter he needs to see those go down and when shot one and shot number two are easy, just like warm-up shots, you could be in trouble. And I don't think Bruce Weber was happy with, um, you know, the early defense there. And, um, you know, it proved to be crucial for the Wildcats. I mean, it couldn't really – I mean, Sean ended up scoring 21. And, I mean, I what I was surprised with was late in the game, Sean was back cutting for that for that layup. That's that's something we haven't seen much. And he made the layup, too. That's crazy. Yeah, I know. It was not a guaranteed layup either. We've seen the Mountaineers get back cut to death this year, and I just I love seeing seeing WV actually do it to somebody else. I wish we would have seen more of that this year, but glad they did it tonight. Yeah, it also seemed like Sean uh, sort of fed off the crowd a little bit, like just like you mentioned how the home crowd would groan if you missed an open shot. It seemed like that that full Kansas State crowd tonight uh, kind of gave him a little bit of fuel, I guess, to his fire. So, so Zach, question, question on that. You were obviously at the game for everyone who's listening. Uh, who's listening? Zach Anderson was covering the game. Aaron Parker and I are both back in West Virginia. So what was the crowd like? Like, if you could describe it for us, obviously it's in Kansas City, so there were probably more Kansas State fans. But were, were, was it a full house? Was it – like, what was the split of the crowd, do you think, West Virginia to Kansas State? Um, it was a, it was a pretty packed house, but I wouldn't say full capacity, probably about 80, 85% capacity. There were some seats up above that were kind of empty, but the split on Kansas state fans was not even comparable. I mean, there was, um, probably 10 Kansas state fan to every one WVU fan. I mean, it was that bad of a, of a difference, which I mean, being so close to Manhattan, I mean, it makes sense that Kansas state would show up like that, but it essentially made it an away game for the Mountaineers. And, um, that played into the end of the game. It did. They, they were really loud whenever Kansas State was making comebacks and making runs, and um, it played into the Mountaineers uh, against the Mountaineers as the game went on. Well, one thing I hope West Virginia does know is that tomorrow at three o'clock, two o'clock Central Time, it's going to be a full house, and it's going to be a full house of Rock Chalk Jayhawk, and they better be ready for it. Otherwise, if they get punched in the mouth early, it might be a long day. One thing I want to get to uh, a couple things actually is Kansas State's offense obviously mark smith nigel pack they got theirs um which is expected like best players are going to shine best players are going to score and you just kind of have to live with that but um 
Masood, he scored 13 points on the game, but all 13 of those came in the first half. And I think that was really big, kind of getting him to shut, like shutting him down in the second half. Uh, I'm looking right now, and in the second half, he went 0 for 3 from the field compared to the first half when he went 4 or 5 from the field, 3 or 3 from 3. Kind of, that's just big because when you know they got to score like Pack and Smith who are going to get theirs, and in the second half, both of those guys combined for 20 points, and then you got a guy like Marquise Noel who had an 8 in the second half. I just feel like shutting down one score kind of takes something away from their offense, which helps you compete, and I just want to get your guys' thoughts on that. Yeah, I agree. And then, I mean, if you look at it, Noel and Mike McGurl combined for, what, 14 points? I think you'll take that all day, especially with the experience from Mike McGurl. Um, I think McGurl had like six or eight against the Mountaineers in Manhattan, six tonight. That's big time. Like you said, Masood, I thought he looked really good early. Um, I thought he was able to rise up good. He's got he's got some height and he's got a nice looking jump shot. But 13 in the first half and nothing in the second half. That's That's big time for the Mountaineers. And, you know, in Manhattan – Pat got his, but everybody else was upper upper teens. Some Noel had 21. So I think WVU did a good job in, um, you know, kind of balancing that out a little bit. From what I noticed with the adjustments that you talked about in the, in the second half where Masood only scored or didn't score in the second half, I think the Mountaineers were a little surprised at how well he was extending his range in the first half. I mean, I'm not sure if he's someone we're used to pulling up and going three for three from the from beyond the arc. And uh, I think the Mountaineers really keyed in on that the second half. Yeah, I think also in the first half, Kansas State was just shooting lights out from beyond the arc. I know early it seemed like they couldn't miss from beyond the arc. And it it's hard when you're defending so well, but then you have to go three, four feet beyond the three-point line and defend, and then you're susceptible down low when you don't really have a true big. And I think teams like that, when you spread West Virginia out, we've seen – them take advantage of that. And I think West Virginia was fortunate that Kansas State didn't make as many threes in the second half as they did in the first half, just because if they did, it it could have been a long evening for the Mountaineers, but fortunately it was not. One other thing, big storyline for West Virginia was the man himself, Taz Sherman. Sherman has obviously carried this offense this year and it looked like he, when he had four points, I was like, when he will, yeah, when he had four points, I was like, oh man, this is not what you want. Um, obviously at the half, I think, I think he had four at the half um, and West Virginia was still up four. I, t- I tweeted out, I said, I'd take that 10 times out of 10 because he's your best player. He's your best scorer. You think he's going to get his, he didn't tonight. He had a second lowest scoring output of the season. Um, the one positive I'll take from that is that, um, Tomorrow, like if we're just thinking about law of averages here, if Taz Sherman averages 18 points per game, if he scores nine tonight, well, you're thinking, oh, man, he might go off for 27 tomorrow. You know, like just things like that, that because West Virginia did win. But in your opinion, Zach, was there something that Kansas State was doing uh, to stop Sherman or you just think it was an off night? So what I noticed was it seemed like that they had pack on Sherman for most of the night. And Pack was almost face guarding Sherman with his back to the ball to the ball. So like he would just have his hands on Sherman and he would just be face guarding him. And Sherman had trouble getting off of like, I don't know what to call it, but all, he was having trouble off the ball, getting the ball in his own hands. And um, I think that really played in the part. But even with him not getting his normal output, it was it was crucial that other people stepped up and they did so. Yeah, I mean, speaking on on Taz, four of 11 is not good, but, like, I never felt 
a point to, you know, in today's game where it's like, okay, Taz is playing really, really bad. I just feel like, you know, he wasn't getting the looks. And like you said, Pack was probably face guarding him. They K-State might have been doing a boxing, boxing one type defense where where Taz is getting face guarded all day. And they're like, okay, we're not letting 12 kill us, but we'll let some we'll make somebody else kill us. Sean McNeil was that guy today, but they were probably running some some sort of boxing one with somebody uh, face guarding him at all times. And I also think uh, Taz missed some care, some of the shots that he's known for, which obviously every scorer is going to have that night where they miss the shots that they usually make. And uh, I don't think it mattered down the stretch, though, but he did miss some shots I usually see him make, even contested shots that we see him usually uh, put in the bottom of the net he didn't uh, do tonight. So. The frustrating part is, on a night when Sean goes off, Taz is getting nine. You know, it's like yeah. they, it can never, it can never be both. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Maybe they run into some luck tomorrow against Kansas. One more thing, going back to what you just said, though, Zach, I do think kind of what we think of as characteristically uh, shots that he makes for Taz. Like, I think those shots that we think he should make, he's he's just such a good player that those shots are such high difficulty, high. Uh, level looks that we think oh he should make those but in reality those are hard shots to make and since we've come so accustomed to Taz kind of just making these turn around step back find your own shot late in the shot like we've we've seen him do it all that when he doesn't do it it just feels a little weird even though we shouldn't expect him to do it because they're hard shots to make yeah I completely agree um yeah, I don't know what else to say. I, I do agree with you on that, though. I mean, Taz put so much work in, into his craft that that these shots, like, we've, you know, me and Zach have watched a couple games together, and like, he'll rise up, two guys on him, two guys in his face. But, like, we know it's going in, and it's just nothing but net. So he devotes so much time to his craft. And, uh, but, no, he wasn't hitting all the shots tonight, but it's like, you know, are those really easy shots? Maybe, maybe they're easy for him, but, no, those are, those are tough shots, tough Jays, tough fadeaways. So, you know, you're going to miss them you know one night after another moving on obviously they Mountaineers have a short-lived uh victory tonight as they have to play the number one seeded Jayhawks Kansas on a lot of bracket boards are a number one number two seed in March and it would be probably one of the biggest upsets of the year if the Mountaineers are able to do it obviously it's considered a neutral site but as we know it will be bleeding blue outside of the T-Mobile Center tomorrow afternoon. Um, I just want to get your initial thoughts on Kansas. I'll start with Aaron here. Do you think the Mountaineers, what do the Mountaineers have to do um, offensively? Obviously, defensively, we know they have to keep Ibaji in check. They know We know they can't get bullied on the inside by McCormick. But offensively, what would you like to see from West Virginia tomorrow afternoon, Aaron? Kansas is a really good team, honestly. Not much shy of perfection. I mean, you, you got to have Taz – you got to have Sean, rather. Sean can't be absent. Obviously, he's kind of heating up right now, so you expect maybe he'll come out and make some shots. But Sean and Taz both have to get it on the same night if you're going to even compete with with the Jayhawks. And then I think I think you got to either get double digits from Curry or JB. I know JB's not really close to getting that right now. Uh, he had seven tonight. But, you know, he's not an offensive threat right now. But – it's it's almost it's almost perfection is what you need out of the WV offense. I mean, Kansas is just you know WV does not match up with their with their players, um, with their speed, with their height, and with their shooting ability, and with their interior presence. So 
it's a it's a tall task. But I mean, in the first half of the game in Lawrence, I know the game ended up being a blowout, but we saw how WVU could stay with them. But they got to make sure to put two halves together to even have a chance. Like like how Aaron said in our previous podcast, uh, they're a mismatch nightmare for us. Uh, that whether it's on the perimeter or in the paint. And watching years of Kansas games, they always like to to like uh, go around the perimeter and and pass the like pass the ball very well, and the, and then always they'll find a guy wide open, and that and that is something that I've um, dealt with with watching uh, years of Kansas games, and I think they just need to to play with intensity on defense. That's the most important aspect, in my opinion. I, I, I was listening to uh, Larry Harrison, the assistant coach for West Virginia, talk after the game on the radio show here uh, locally in West Virginia. One of the things he talked about when they talked about Kansas was how he thinks it is an advantage that they were watching at home tonight and that West Virginia played. Do you guys feel that West Virginia having a game under them, obviously you had a good performance from McNeil and Curry, not a great performance from Taz. What kind of impact do you think it has on tomorrow, both positively and negatively? Well, they're going to, first of all, they're going to have confidence. Second of all, they're, you know, they're probably, they're going to be fresh. I mean, we saw this in the 19 tournament when WB was what the 10 seed, they faced seven seed Oklahoma, played a close game and won. And then boom, next day, Texas Tech has a bye. Texas Tech is a two seed, and WVU beats them, outruns them, you know, kind of dominates them in that first half. So that's something you might, you know, you might see. I, I think you'll see an early lead for WVU because of that. Um, but when you're talking about a team as disciplined and a, as as fundamentally good as Kansas, you know, I wouldn't expect it would hurt them that much, um, especially with playing in the Big 12. You know, that they, they face the best competition night after night. So you know, I don't think it'll hurt them that much, but maybe. Maybe the Mountaineers will get off to like an early six or seven point lead. That's what I think. I think having a game under their belt in the atmosphere, on the stage, on the biggest stage in college basketball, one of the biggest stages, um, I think it'll help the Mountaineers um, early in the game, like Aaron said. But Kansas will just run you out and they'll uh, shoot all over you. And you just got to, you got, and it's going to be hard to keep up with them down the stretch, especially if they're on fresh legs. So I think that'll, that'll catch up to West Virginia in the second half. But in the first half, I think they need to stay, like, stay aggressive and stay competitive on defense. And, and they can have and a chance. If you're talking about down the stretch, I mean, you got, you got a guy in Abaji who has been there, done that for how many years, how many situations where he's been closing the game. Um, and, and been that guy to take the last shot. How many times has Kansas lost the game down the stretch? It's not very much. They win most of them when it's down to the wire. So, you know, they have the experience over West Virginia as well. Yeah, I think I think having those guys who have been there, done that is key for Kansas. But also West Virginia's experience too, obviously not experienced on this stage. But when you've got seniors that have won at previous schools and you have seniors that have won here, like last year's team was a three seed and you have three guys from that team uh, four guys from that team in that in your starting line. Like I'm just like I'm just saying, there's experience on West Virginia too. Just because they have young guys doesn't mean that they're not experienced. Because they do have seven seniors, and they have JB who's been here for a hot minute and has played in every single game this season. So I will say that yes, experience favors Kansas with their stars, and I feel like Kansas just has kind of that like that feeling like you're the Yankees or the Lakers or the Cowboys, like they know who you are. Like they're a blue blood school. Everyone knows who Kansas is, but West Virginia is not going to shy away. Like they said 
Taz said, we're not going to shy away from anyone. We think we can hang with everyone in this conference. Like, we're going to go at it, and I, I'm excited to see what they can do. One other thing I want to get to, we talked in the previous podcast um, about kind of rotations and what Huggins would do. I think he played 11 guys tonight, if I'm counting correctly. So, um, obviously, he didn't limit that rotation. Obviously, you saw a different starting five. First time Gabe got a start, I think, all year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it kind of caught me by surprise. I think it was because Kansas obviously doesn't have that big of a post. I mean, Kansas State, excuse me, doesn't have that big of a post presence. But it was good to see Gabe get a start. Uh, good for him. He he wasn't that. Um, he wasn't. He didn't seem like he was normal Gabe tonight. I don't know if that was just me. Um, Zach, you might have a better read on that. But one thing about Gabe is he had a couple offensive fouls. You can't if you're Gabe was one. You cannot record a foul on the offensive end. That's just going to kill your team down the stretch. Um, you're a defensive player of the year in the conference. You got to act like it, and you can't waste one of your five fouls on the offensive end. That was just one of my big takeaways from tonight. Yeah, Gabe, Gabe seemed a little slow at the jump to me, um, and he also recorded a couple early fouls as a usual problem for him. And uh, and then he got stuck um, – changing out on the bench because of the foul trouble. And then he just got behind behind the count with uh, the speed of, the, of that game, the intensity of that game tonight. So it really hurt him tonight. But I think if if he can get it going early, I think he'll have a chance to be a, a, a defensive presence more against Kansas. Yeah, and he – I mean, I know he wasn't as, you know, maybe effective tonight. But like, like I said, that Sean McNeil back cut, I mean, that was Gabe at the top of the key that found him. That was a beautiful pass. Um, you know, I just – I wish we could see more of that. And I mean, I think Gabe's one, one of, if not the best passer on this team. Um, and that's crazy I'll to think of. With in my opinion, is the best passer, but JB. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'll go with Gabe, but like that's just so crazy because of the position he is and how aggressive he plays. You wouldn't think a guy like that is like, oh, he's a, a pure passer. He's also, I mean, he's not a. He's also he's not, not fast passer, to do anything offensively. Like if I'm bothered, my first ten things I ask for him maybe one of them are to do something on the offensive. Like, you know what I mean? Like he's not asked to be a Taz Sherman, to be a Sean McNeil, to be a Jalen Bridges and go get your points. So when he only has two points and four fouls, it's kind of like, ah, and he only has one rebound. Like that's not Gabe we're used to. And he also only played 11 minutes when you speak of that foul trouble. Like I think he had two, he checks in in the second half, boom, third foul right back to the, you know, so like he yeah. just, He's got to be smarter. He's got to be better. Because if West Virginia wants to have a chance at beating Kansas, he's got to be in the game. Well, when I think looking back at just like that play I was talking about, like when how many times have we seen like Gabe gets the top of the key, somebody's getting face guarded, and it's like, okay, it's him, and he takes it upon himself and drives. How many times is that an offensive foul on him because he's going in like a bull in a china shop? If, if or how many times does he guys, miss a layup either way? Yeah, and, and miss a layup. Yeah. If WV's guys like Sean, JB, I don't know if Malik's in there, somebody like that. Back cut their man, go to the hoop and get get a little bit of space. Gabe's gonna find you, whether it be a bounce pass or or a hard chest pass. So I'd like to see that more from WV's guys, you know, movement without the ball, so Gabe doesn't have to take it in his own hands and 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 charge into a guy. I I think hopefully Gabe goes back to being the Gabe we know him as tomorrow. Um, if he can, I think West Virginia is gonna be in a better spot going against Kansas. Uh, speaking of Kansas, West Virginia, I will go first with predictions. I think West Virginia is going to come out and they're going to play Kansas tough. I just think this team is gritty. And 
winning two straights big. They haven't done that since early January. And I think confidence wise, they're probably the most confident they've been since conference play began. Um, I think if you can get Malik going, get Taz going, obviously, if Taz, if Taz doesn't score more than 15, you're not winning by it. Uh, like that's just a given. So Taz has got to get going. Hopefully you get something from Sean again. Hopefully Gabe can stay on the court a little longer. JB gave you good minutes tonight. Hopefully he can do that again. But in the end, I just think down the stretch tomorrow, Kansas is just going to be too much for the Mountaineers. I think them not having played in West Virginia is on the second day of a back-to-back. And it's a quicker turn. Like, it's a 2 o'clock game tomorrow afternoon. This game ended 9 o'clock Central time, roughly, Zach, right? 8 o'clock Central time, something like that. So 8 o'clock Central time, yeah. So, that's a quick turnaround. Like you've got 16, 17, 18 hours, something like that to get your legs back, rest, refuel and get ready and go. So I think second half, you're going to see some of those legs, especially guys like Taz and Sean, who they've they're top five in the big 12 in minutes. So hopefully the Mountaineers can keep it close. Hopefully they do somehow shock the Jayhawks, but I'm going to give Kansas the victory. I'll call it 77, 69. Um, either Aaron or Zach, you guys can go. Yeah, I mean, Kansas, you know, I think I think what I said before, I mean, I think WV is going to come out after a win, just a couple, you know, less than a day later, they're going to come out and have a, a good start, make some shots, get an early, you know, five or seven point lead. But um, when I was talking about experience with Kansas, I guess I probably should have said more like winning experience. I mean, when they're, when they have, a game down the stretch, they have so much experience with just winning. How many times have those guys lost down the stretch? It's not much. WVU down the stretch, you know, TCU is one of the only games that they could pull out down the stretch. So I think it's going to be something like that. Guys like Jalen Wilson, Christian Brown, Abaji, they have that experience, that winning experience. And I think they'll pull away late. Um, I'm going to go 82-74 Kansas. And I'd like to mention that I picked WVU by six in the last podcast and WVU won by six. If we're mentioning WVU scores, I'd like to say I was one point off from the score, Aaron. So I'll one up you on that. I was 672 67 Mountaineers on my score, and it was 7367. So I was a little I was a little high on my score last last time, but it's okay. It's okay. Who you got for um, uh for Kansas? I think like Aaron said, it's typical. I want to be as realistic as possible here. Um, it's typical of West Virginia to, to have either Sean or Taz show up. And I think that's going to happen again tomorrow night. I think one of them will show up and the other one um, will have an okay day, but won't be um, that perennial score that you need to beat Kansas. Um, And I think uh, Kansas will pull away late. um, And it'll be, I'm going to go, I'm going to go 72 62 from my score. So there you have it. Um, Mountaineers get a big win, obviously. They still need to put a lot more magic together, digging dig in that big old hat of theirs if they want to pull out a March Madness bid. Um, obviously, though, the theme is March, and just win one game at a time, go 1-0 every day, and hope you're still standing at the end of it. 
So that is all from us tonight. Uh, once again, Mountaineers defeat Kansas State 73-67. West Virginia will be back in action tomorrow afternoon, a little afternoon, Thursday afternoon basketball. Uh, things get going, set to tip off at 3 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN. Obviously, there's a game before that, so that might get bumped back a little bit, but aim for that 3 o'clock range if you're going to watch. I'm Wesley Shoemaker, joined by Zachary Anderson and Aaron Parker. Should be coming to you tomorrow, um, win or lose, so we will keep you posted in that front. If you made it this far, we do appreciate you listening, and this is the BlueGoldSports.com podcast.